0: Thank you for listening to the Stonehouse Sermon Series, A Disciple's Songbook. This series focuses on the Psalms of Ascent, songs that God's people would sing on their journey up to Jerusalem. Sweaters and jackets, flannels. Didn't know we owned such things. My, what a interesting weather week. Uh, well, we are finishing this week a series that we started back in August. Um, we had a couple of interruptions in the midst of this series. Uh, we planned to finish it before Advent um, but we didn't, and so we're finishing it today. Uh, so if you have a Bible, open to where Nathan just read from, Psalm 134. If you don't have a Bible, words will be on the screen throughout our time here. Um, and also, please feel free to use your apps. Um, those are helpful as well. Um, but our, our our whole series has kind of been built around this idea of a journey. Uh, the reason for that is that these uh, groups, are, or this group of Psalms, uh, it's called the, the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, ascent meaning kind of the going up to. Uh, and the whole idea of the Psalms of Ascent was that they were a, kind of like a hymnal uh, for groups of uh, Jewish pilgrims, Hebrew pilgrims, as they were heading upwards towards Jerusalem to worship. Uh, and so we're, we're reaching the conclusion, and this psalm is the, fitting, the most fitting conclusion of these psalms because it's, it's basically a closing of a worship service. Um, We often open and close with readings, I shouldn't say often, we always open and close with readings of Scripture to kind of take our hearts and lift them towards God and and to kind of set our minds towards worship. And so that's why we do a call to worship, that's why we finish our service with a benediction. And this psalm is kind of like the closing or the benediction of all of the Psalms of Ascent. It's basically a calling to worship God with all of our life. Uh, and so as we look at this closing, we kind of have to look at all of the Psalms uh, and look at them in, in one grouping, or all of the Psalms of Ascent, look at them in one grouping as we've gone through them. So 120 all the way through 133 is what we've worked through. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to preach through all of them today. but. Uh, so this kind of is a summary moment for us, and it's also an opportunity for us to evaluate what does it mean to really worship God, and what, what, how do we understand that in our day, and in our age, and in this world? And so uh, we're going to take a look at those things, kind of summarize the Psalms of Ascent, and uh, just spend some time pondering the realities of worship. And so I'm going to read these three short verses again. Uh, And then we'll pray, and we're going to jump in and uh, discover together more the meaning behind them. So here we go. Psalm 134, verses 1 through 3, it says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. All right, let's pray. God, we pause in this day, um, a, a day set aside by you uh, from the beginning of creation to uh, think and to ponder and to look at our lives and, and to pause some of our activity uh, so that we might evaluate who we are and look at you and be amazed at what you've done. And God, I, I know that our hearts are, uh, as we just sang, we're prone to wander, um, and we often are just riddled with worries and fears, um, busyness, doubts, uh, anxieties of all kinds. Um, God, life just stacks up around us. And these words call us to, um, really, they call us to what is our, our chief aim, uh, the reason we were made. And God, we don't, uh, we don't really understand that on a heart level. Uh, that we were made to worship you. Uh, In some ways, it even seems like a strange thing uh, that you would make us to glorify yourself. Um, For humans, that's hard to comprehend because we are full of pride. Uh, We are limited, yet we boast. Uh, But you are unlimited, uh, and you are also not full of pride You have completely emptied yourself. We see this in Jesus, that he, though he was in equality with God, he did not consider that something to be grasped, but rather he humbled himself and became a servant to us. He served me. It blows our minds to think that the God of the universe would serve us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts as we wrestle through this reality of worship, that you would help us to see rightly and and discern correctly what it means really to worship you and how it is that we as humans were made to worship. Um, I pray, God, that you would rend our hearts, that you would humble us. Lord, some of us need encouraging, some of us need lifting, and some of us need um, a little bit of challenging. Uh, We're in all sorts of different places today. We come from all different backgrounds. We've had diverse types of weeks this week, uh, and yet we come to one God uh, who knows us who has loved us and who speaks to us through his word so we pray that you would help us see jesus that you would speak to us through your word today um, and that we would be changed and transformed by your spirit working in us we ask this all in christ's name amen amen, amen. Alright, so just three quick verses to walk through. Uh, we've got plenty to expand on, but verse 1 just says it's a, essentially an invitation. We've seen an invitation like this before uh, in the Psalms of Ascent. He just says come and bless the Lord, all ye <laughs> servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Now, there's a, a a couple of ideas about servants of the Lord here. Some of them, uh, some people would say that this is a comment to all of Israel and some people would say this is a comment to Levitical priests or the people that are in the temple. Whether it's one or the other, it's still something that matters to us because we are the new Israel that God has given, the church that has been established by Christ's work and so because of faith in Jesus we are rooted in, right, with the children of Abraham. We don't belong to him by lineage but we belong to him because of Jesus and so therefore we are uh, God's Israel, right, so we can say this, this psalm is, is a call to us to worship God, or if we say this is a psalm that's for the Levitical priesthood, then we still get to say, okay, then that's also for me, because Peter told us that we are a new priesthood, right, that God has made us people together by his name that we might serve him with gladness and serve one another in his name. And so we are both the new Israel and we are also new priests. And so this psalm is applicable to every single one of us. It says, come servant, whether you are a servant of Christ or a servant of another person or a servant of the church. Whatever you serve, come servant and see the one that you truly serve, come behold him and come and worship him in this moment. And so the attention of the worship of God, the whole reason for this psalm is that we would bless God, meaning that we would worship God, that we would give his name the due honor and the recognition and the glory that it deserves. Right? When we say bless the Lord, that's what we mean. We mean to honor God and to honor his name and to give him the praise and the glory that he is due. Often this phrase comes across as bless the name of the Lord or blessed be the name of the Lord. And so either way, we see that this psalm, the closing psalm for our Psalms of Ascent calls us to uh, kind of an appropriate place where we would worship God with everything that we are. Now, verse 2 makes a statement that maybe you've heard about in Scripture before, maybe not. It says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Now, kind of the whole point of the lifting of hands throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament is basically just a guiding of worship upward towards God. There's kind of a a physical uh, symbolism of what's going on with the heart, right? That it is a worship that is to be lifted up towards God. Now, some people would tell you that you have to worship with your hands in the air, and some people would say that you shouldn't worship with your hands in the air. We would say that you can if you want. That if that's the place that you feel your heart's attention wants to go, and you want to lift your hands and praise to God, then you do. Lift your hands and praise to God. But the ultimate point of this phrase is to help us to see that there is uh, no other that deserves worship like God deserves worship. That our worship is what we were made for, and that is to worship the one who made us. And so the question there lies, what else would we worship? Right? If we're not worshiping God, what, what else would we? If our worship wasn't directed upward, where else would we be worshiping? Well, one of the great mistakes that I think our world makes in regards to worship is to think that it's only a religious thing that it's only something that happens in temples or sanctuaries or churches or synagogues or places of worship, right? That people would say those people over there, they're the ones that do that worship thing, those religious folk, right? The people that go to that place, they gather together, they do that thing. That's what worship is. Well, that's completely misunderstanding what the whole being of a human is guided towards, which is to worship something. Because the truth is, is that everybody worships. Everybody. Whether it's a religious worship or not, whether it's a a, a ritual or an event or a gathering or not, the human heart is so prone to worship that every single human worships. We worship something. The point is, whether we worship God or we worship things created by God. In Romans 1, Paul talks about this whole reality that we were created by God to worship Him, but we've turned away from true worship of God. And that we've turned towards worship of things that have been made. And therein lies... Ultimately, the deep dysfunctions of all humanity is that we are guided—we are created to worship God, but we are guided in our sins and brokenness to worship things that aren't God. We treat things that aren't God as though they are God, and by doing that, we, we break and fracture everything in our whole lives, right? And so there is uh, no doubt that worship is something that we were made to do. Now, you know that when you're Raising a kid, like Christmas was a good reminder of this. You don't have to teach a child to be delighted by and obsess about things, right? They do that. They do that because that's inherent in human nature to grab a hold of something and to love it with devotion and with awe and with just everything in you, right? Like that Christmas day is all about, man, is the Spider-Man going to be there, right? Like because the Spider-Man is the like, the thing because the Spider-Man can climb Buildings and can swing, and the Spider-Man, and the kids. all the things are all about the Spider-Man. Mom, where's my Spider-Man sheets? When can I wear my Spider-Man costume? When am I going to see the Spider-Man at the mall? Because it is all about the Spider-Man. Do you have to tell the kid to obsess about the Spider-Man? No, he just simply needs to see one movie of the amazing (laughs) Spider-Man swinging through the skies, and he's going to say, I love the Spider-Man. I need the Spider-Man. I must have the Spider-Man. Right? It's a part of our human nature. We do that with everything that's in us. And we see, like, this happens everywhere, and we don't notice it at all. Okay? So I'm going to help you. Here's some pictures. Ready? We got it? We worship. People worship all over the place. Right? I'm sorry, I had to. Now, three very different pictures of the exact same thing. Most people in the world would say that one, and that one alone is worship. That it has to do with some kind of tribalism, some kind of a mask on a totem pole, some kind of an event where you get dressed up in the garb, and you do a certain dance, and you follow a certain rhythm, and that's what worship is. And we completely miss that the Beaver fandom and that football or whatever is also our worship right worship is ingrained into us and we we direct our hearts towards something great right why is this deeply we understand as humans we recognize though it often doesn't come out of our mouths we recognize i'm really not that great i'm really not that great with like when the lights are off, when no one's looking, when it's, when it's all quiet, I recognize I have limits, I have failures, I completely miss the mark, I keep failing at that thing I'm trying to do, right? Like we, Deep in our souls, we know we aren't great. But in our being, we say, man, there's something that must be great. And we are we are led towards a life of devoting ourselves towards something that is greater than ourselves. Whether it's a cause or a team or a little g god or an icon or a dollar amount in your bank account or a neighborhood or a brand of car or jean or jacket, whatever that thing is, we see it as something great that we might gain so that we can participate in the greatness of the thing, right? That's why those idiots made their chest like that, (laughs) because they aren't great, but when they're half naked and painted, they're a part of something great. There's a greatness that we all ascribe to attach ourselves to. And the sin of idolatry, what the scriptures call a sin of idolatry, is just simply taking these made things in the world and calling them the great thing, which is God and God alone. And so we do this. And and, and this is what's just gut-wrenching about having so much at our disposal, right? So now I'm talking American culture. We have so much at our disposal and we chase down so many of these things because our heart is ceaseless in its worship. And so we continue to attach ourselves to great things again and again, being disappointed by them because in the end, they're truly not great, right? And we see this, this, is, this kills me, right? These guys, you, you always see these men and these women in these interviews after they've become famous, after they've made all the money, after they've had their name in lights, Whatever, right? You see the interviews. You've heard them. I'm not lying. You know this. You've listened to them. They say it. I got it, and it wasn't great. I got the thing. I got the job. I got the money. I got the girl. I got the place. I achieved the goal. I built the empire. You get the thing, and the thing just it wasn't great. We hear it again and again and again, and yet we hear this whisper in our soul that says, Oh, yeah. you, it'll be different. That thing, once you get it, it'll really be everything you long for it to be. You see, we were made to worship, we were created to worship something great and when we think we have found something great, then we lay ourselves down before it. Right? We turn our lives over in worship. We sacrifice to the thing, whatever it is, Time, money, energy, our families, right? We'll lay stuff up aside so that we can pursue the great thing and involvement in the great thing so that we might worship that thing, right? I mean, it's the same language. It just looks different in that tribal situation than it does in the stadium than it does at the music store. It's, it's the same thing. We're laying down our lives. We're laying down our money. We're laying down ourselves, Often we're sacrificing relationships for the sake of attaining that great thing. If I can just get this, then I'll be all right. And it will all be worth it. What's it? All the sacrifice. All the dying to the other things to gain this one thing. As long as I can do all that and get this, then it'll all be worth it. Right? It's just this constant life pursuit. And really all it is is worship. We honor these things with our mouths. Right? We become evangelists for these things with our words. Have you seen that thing? Did you see are you going to go to that thing? Did you get fulfilled by that thing? I did, I loved it, it was great. I want to tell you about it. It fills our lives. We get motivated by these things that we worship. We give them a position of priority and supremacy in our lives. We put them above everything else. Ultimately this whole reality of worship in the world points us to the fact that there must be something greater. If we are built like this, then truly there must be something out there that is greater. And what scripture tells us is that it is God. What this passage tells us is is the Lord who made heaven and earth, that he alone is that greater thing. And so to worship God is to behold God in the fullness of who he is and to be amazed. Right? We do this with our things. We see them and we're amazed by them. Like the illustration with the kid and the Spider-Man. The Spider-Man's amazing. He can beat the bad guys. He can fly across the sky. I'm amazed by God. Right? That's the first part of worship is to behold God and to be amazed by him or to behold him in wonder. To see that he made heaven and earth out of nothing, to see that he rules the stars, that that he literally gave us our breath, that everything that exists was created for his glory, we behold God in wonder. The second thing we do is that we bow our hearts before him in reverence. Worship is saying, God, you get a position like nobody else gets. God, you get my attention like nobody else gets. God, you get my time and devotion. You get my, my honor and my humility. You get it like, like no one else gets. You deserve all of the honor and the respect and the glory. You deserve for me to listen and obey. You deserve for me to pay attention to your commands, to listen to the word of your truth to let your love be the greatest love in all of my life. You deserve that highest place, that highest regard, that highest esteem. And finally, to worship is to ascribe to him worth or glory. And we do that with our mouths, right? That's why we sing. It's something that's ancient. It's been happening for millennia. Why? Because it is a place for us to give God the due honor that he deserves through our worship, through our words, through our mouths as we speak of him. And guys, we particularly uh, cater and kind of work what we sing and how we sing so that our hearts are pulled into truth more than, more than we're just pulled into emotion, right? We want to be pulled into what is true about God so that we can behold Him as we sing and then we can declare true things about Him as we sing so that we can ascribe to Him glory, right? And so we sing a lot of kind of ancient songs, a little bit reinvented for today because the words are unfortunately more rich than what most people are writing today. They're, they're deep in, in their truths. They're anchored into Christian tenets of faith that are historic and orthodox, and so they're they're biblical, and we're proclaiming things that are true about God when we worship, right? And we do that intentionally. We want to be repeating the songs and the hymns that speak the truth about God so that our hearts are lifted into this place where we display his glory, or we declare his glory. And so worship is beholding God and then bowing our hearts in reverence and then finally ascribing him worth or glory. And one of the things that's that's kind of neat about this psalm being at the end of all of these other psalms that we've walked through, is that it helps us to see that in all of the situations that the Psalms of Ascent have brought us through, right, we talked about kind of the sawtooth history of Israel, just ups and downs, the ins and outs, all the weavings of the story, that in every one of those situations, God is worthy to be praised. Right? that the places of our lives, that the things that we're going through, that the circumstances that surround us, none of them ever negate that God is worthy to be worshipped. Right? So here's our fly-through summary. Psalm 120 talked about realizing that the world is ugly and unfulfilling. We talked about how repentance is turning from wanting fulfillment in the world and turning towards God. And in that moment, when we realize the world is not what it should be, that is a moment when we can praise God. That is a moment when we can say, God, the world was made in a way that glorified you, and now it's been broken, and I can feel that brokenness. And so, therefore, my heart is lifted to praise you, because you're the one who's given what is good, and we're the ones that have broken it. And I want to turn to you and worship and give you the glory that you deserve. We were also shocked to find that we can't help ourselves out of this mess. Right? We, we realize that when we look around the world for help, that none of the great assistance that is in the world can really help our souls be healed. Only God can do that. And so in that, too, we praise God. We say, God, you alone are enough to truly fulfill and to heal and to bless and to fill my life. We looked at moments where we, as God's people, are oppressed and resisted by those who hate God. We know that this is often the case, that we have to consider sometimes our reputation when we, when we declare that we are those who follow the Lord, that we might get enemies just by that. And that is a reality that points our hearts towards praise again because we realize that we don't belong to this place and this place only. We belong to God. And in that, we can praise God. We saw that we were unable to control life. We saw that we can't always protect ourselves from bad things happening. We saw that we are recipients of extreme mercy from God because we are really weak and really needy people. And in these things, we can praise God, even when we feel these la- these places of lack. We also saw our eyes being opened to how God can use our hands and our work and our families and our lives to build the things that he wants to build. In this, we praise God. We know that setting aside our unruly ambition and leaving behind infantile dependence leads us to a humble position before God where we might praise him. And as we look back at the long history of God's faithfulness to an unrighteous and stubborn people, we can praise God. In all circumstances, in all places, in all times, God is worthy to be praised. And ultimately, the reason he's worthy to be praised is shown to us in the beauty of the gospel that even though we were lost in our waywardness, that God, as we celebrated in incarnation, God invaded the world with his presence to pursue those who are lost and astray. And that by this glorious truth, we are not left in this darkness and in this loneliness, but we are loved and pursued and embraced by him who made us. That he says, all your sin, all your failure, all your shortcomings, they will not separate you from me. Because I have come and I have pursued you and I will love you. And so ultimately, we praise God because of the work that Jesus has done to make us his. And in his work to make us his, he is recreating in us the right heart of worship that says, God, I'm done worshiping all these other things. I'm sick of seeking the fulfillment in all these other things. I, I do not want to turn my life over any longer to the stuff that I think is great, that isn't really great, because I want to turn my life over to you. I want to truly worship what is great. And when we see our hearts aligned with what is truly great, and when we submit to God as the true uh, greatest thing deserving of all worship, then we're led into a life of blessing. Right? Verse 3 talks about this. It says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So he says, Come on, guys, let's worship God. Let's worship the only one that's worthy of being worshiped. And as we worship, as we are being transformed into people who do worship the true God, may God bless you. There's almost an expectation here that as we continue to follow the true God and worship Him, that there will be blessing in our lives, right? And we have to clarify what blessing is because we're in America, right? Unfortunately, because often we all think that means riches and health and everything going right, right? We're programmed dysfunctionally by a messed up world to think that's what blessing means. That's not what blessing means, okay? (laughs) Okay? I have to remind myself of this every single week. You do too. Like, that's not what blessing means. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Blessing means to be living in God's ways. The Beatitudes unfold for us the blessing. The poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those uh, who are peacemakers, and so on and so forth. Being forgiven is being Blessed. Having the hope of Jesus in our lives is being blessed. Persevering through trials, being insulted for walking in God's ways. These are what it means to be blessed. Being washed pure by Jesus, reading and hearing God's word. And so may you, as you worship, continue to be filled with the life of following in God's ways. May you be empowered to do that by His Spirit because in your flesh you cannot. In my flesh I cannot, though I try. I need him to fill me that I might walk in God's ways. As you bless and worship God, may you ever be aware that he alone can truly bless you. Right? Because we can be duped into thinking those other great things will bless us. They won't. All they'll do is take. When we worship false Greatness, False idols, little g-gods. They do nothing but take. Listen, this is the difference of worshiping what is truly God, truly great. When we worship God, what do we get? We get Him. It's not about Him taking. It becomes about Him giving. <laughs> At what cost? The cost of His own life. God doesn't say, set aside your life. God doesn't say, pursue me only and then not do anything. In fact, God has initiated by doing first. He's not taking, he's giving. And in this we see something so glorious that he who did not need anything gave everything to fill us who need everything. What a God. Nothing else does this for us. Right? Listen, most of us, we're working hard. Right? And that's a great thing. That's a great thing. And you're getting some money back for it. Absolutely. A little bit here and there. But you will not get the fullness of life like God will give you. We pursue relationships. We pursue these different goals and we lose so much. And what do we gain? We gain an emptiness. Ah, oh, I thought it would I thought it would be oh, it wasn't what I hoped. And that's not what we end up with God when we turn and we worship God. And so we remember his blessings and we thank him for those blessings and we continue to ask him to fill our lives with more of who he is. Because he is always giving. He never runs out. And finally, guys, the worship of God is the whole reason that we are here in St. Pete seeking for more worshipers to be made. God deserves for every tongue, for every mouth, for every heart to worship Him. Right? God is that glorious that all of creation Should bow and worship Him. And in fact, all of creation one day will bow and acknowledge that He alone is God. It's a promise of Scripture. And so that's a motivation. It's actually the whole motivation for this idea of missions, okay? When you think of missionaries and people going to be missionaries, the whole motivation of missions is that more people, more (laughs) nations, more languages would worship the true God. That's the whole point, is to create disciples who are worshiping God. And that's what we're going to spend the next 10 weeks looking at. We're going to jump into a series that's completely devoted to the, the idea of mission. And it's not going to be about the missionary idea of sending somebody to that tribe that we saw a picture of a little while ago. It's going to be about the idea of being missionaries here. Because we are sent by God. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are sent by God to this place, to this time, in this city, in this church to be a part of God gaining more worship. We are here to be on mission. We are here to be a part of this global effort to bring more worship to God. Now often we hear that idea and we think, man, God's a pretty big ego, right? We think of the weird guy in Guardians of the Galaxy too. <laughs> We're like, God should just be named Ego. <laughs> and that can be really confusing and complicated. But that's because we often make God just a big human. An old human, a strong human. And we think no human deserves that. But God is apart and unique and completely other than. And when we do function in our worship of God, we truly come alive. And so for God to work to establish His glory and to build His praise is for Him to work for the ultimate flourishing of all humans. Because when we worship God, we follow God. And when we follow God, we are living our life in the rhythms of His blessing. So that the things that we work at, so that the relationships that we're in, so that the stuff that we involve our lives on, we're all we're conducting all of those things in the appropriate manner, a way that gives glory to God and is the way that we're supposed to function in. And so, for God to desire more worship is for God to desire us to live as we were truly made to live, Amen. So we want to labor for that thing, and so we're going to spend the next, I think it's ten weeks, uh, talking about mission, talking about living our lives on mission, the whole motivation for what we do is that we would draw attention to God, that we would pull in more of those who would worship the Lord because he deserves it. And I don't think in St. Pete, God is getting the worship that he deserves. Amen. All right, let's read Psalm 134 one more time as we close. <coughs> Come, and bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we need help to see you for who you really are. Often we get a different picture of you in our minds. We don't see rightly and we can therefore miss what it means to worship you, what it means to glorify you, what it means to live in this way. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see and be amazed uh, by your grandeur, by your goodness, by your power, by your glory, by the fact that you, through Christ, have made it possible for us to be reunited to our true purpose, which is to worship the one true great God, the one who saved us, the one who loves us, the one who made us and can remake us by his power and by his grace. So Lord, would you continue to make us worshipers and God, equip us to be those who seek more people to be worshiping you. God, we want you to get the praise and the honor and the glory you deserve. And God, we want to live our lives in right respect and awe of who you are because we know by that we will truly see what blessing is. So God, thanks for these psalms. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the emotion in them. Thank you for the, uh, the twists and the turns that we've come to see. Thank you, God, that we know uh, that you are with us in all things, and that God, whatever we face and whatever we walk through in life, that we know that you love us, that you walk with us, and that ultimately you are working Even in times that seem confusing and dark and strange, we know that you are working because you are working all things together for good, uh, for your glory and for our good. Uh, And so, Lord, we love you and we worship you. And Lord, even as we sing, may we see our hearts just lifted to you in praise, God. We thank you for this tool, the the opportunity of gathering together and and lifting our voices as we do it this morning. God, would you be glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.